Hi, and welcome to Season 5 of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. It's Bob again. I've got the Gender Communication Handbook. And uh, Andre Nelson was one of the writers, but uh, I've got Claire Demkin-Brown on the line with us today. Claire, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Hey, you know, we were uh, we were chatting earlier, and, and uh, I was telling how much I love the what's going on in the book. And really, this book is so well organized. It's got big sections. The text isn't teeny tiny. It really almost uh, feels like a handbook. Um, and, and I really appreciate it because some books, they've got too much information and not enough uh, ways for you to find that information. Uh, so it's, it's a very friendly book to consume the content. So when you were deciding to, you know, put this book together, what was your what was your motivation? Why do you think it's important to have a book like this uh, out on the market today? I think it's important to have the gender communication handbook out there because it's aimed mostly at women understanding the styles between men and women and how they communicate in the workplace. And I think that's critical more so for women than for men because most workplaces are male dominated to begin with and uh, you know that's not to say there's plenty of information in here in the book for both men and women but I I think it's very valuable for women to have. Mm. Well, I, I think there's a huge disconnect going on uh, with with male and female communication uh, in the workplace and actually at the home or anywhere. Uh, do you think there's a fundamental difference between the way women communicate and, and men communicate? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else may not, but I, I think there's definite different styles of communication for men and women. And understanding those styles will help both men and women communicate better together. Yeah, I remember chatting with somebody, uh, gosh, months ago now, and he, he basically said if if you chat with a guy and say, you know, I'm really unhappy with your performance, uh, I, I think that you really got to pull up your socks because we're, we're not sure if we can keep you in this company. And, you know, that report you did last Wednesday was pretty good, but do you think you could, uh, do you think you could improve yourself? He'd go out at me and think, wow, I'm rocking it. Whereas a woman, if you said you're doing fantastic, uh, we really love what you're doing, it's amazing, um, and we'd really appreciate it if you make your reports a, a little bit uh, more in-depth, blah, blah, blah. She would come out at me and say, gosh, I really got to pull up my socks. I really got to try harder. Do you think that's that's a fundamental difference between how you have to communicate with men and women because the way that they perceive what you say is, is totally radically different? I don't know if it's totally radically different, <laughs> but they do get different responses mm. and I think in that example that you gave women have a, have a tendency to take the criticism more personal and that's because they're looking at building relationships and their focus is on the relationship and men seem to um, just focus on the task itself so they'll hear the comments and walk away and think what a great job I did and the women will hear the comment, and for many women, they'll take it more personally and wonder, you know, what was wrong and how could I improve that and that type of thing. Mm. So how do you think people should should uh, attack this book? Is it the type of book that you should read cover to cover, or, or is it a book that you could just jump in the section that you're, you're most interested in? Just jump right in. That's what I would do, and that's what I do periodically myself is if I have a particular question on a particular issue or idea I'll just go right to that chapter and read a little bit more about it so you you can read it from front to back but you can also just jump in and pick the topic that's of most interest to you and you know you mentioned earlier that that the book was really, I mean, it's got tons of information for men, but it really it's targeted for women. For you personally, you think the women are going to get tremendous value out of that. And really, you have an exhaustive um, contents page where you've, you've got the, let's say, chapter six, men, women, and conflict, and then you have a subtext, and then you've got everything broken down, exercise one through exercise 10. Um, it's really interesting to see the type of detail. It, it really is a book designed so you can go to a chapter and then find a specific in that chapter and drill right down very, very efficiently. Was this part of uh, the planning to, to make the book uh, very, 
like, okay, it's a handbook, but really it's almost like a reference book. It's like you have problem A, look it up, here's the solution or here's the exercise and here's the way to approach it. There was some intention to make it usable, especially for not only individuals interested in the topic and that want to read about the topic, but also for individuals like trainers or consultants or human resource managers that want to get into the topic and maybe themselves try to present a lunchtime discussion on one of these issues or even a half a day workshop on that topic. So there's information for the individual and then very specific, like you mentioned, the exercises and more for individuals that want to go into more detail. I think it's perfect for group meetings or anything like that hmm. for, to talk one of these topics. You know, going into the book, and, 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 you know, I really, I didn't read it cover to cover. I jumped around. It was actually a couple of things that I, I really said, wow, that's exactly what I need to hear. Are you getting feedback, uh, feedback like that from people that it, it's, it's more of a book that they're saying, I'm going to have this on my desk, I'm going to have it handy and, and grab it uh, once a week to make sure that, you know, I'm communicating properly, I'm, I'm not communicating in a biased way or, or uh, basically getting myself in trouble socially uh, because I'm unaware of the way other people react or, or how I should communicate to other people. I hope they're grabbing it once a week to look at it. <laughs> but um, I hear from people that are interested maybe in a specific topic that want to go in and learn about it and then share it um, maybe as in a training format with, with their work group. I have a, a couple of friends that are coaches and they use the book to coach both men and women in understanding some of the different communication styles. Huh. So what do you think... Um for you was your aha moment in this book. You know, a lot of the writers I'm chatting with, they've got years and years and years of knowledge. They're uh, basically condensing this into a book format and they all have an epiphany. They always have an aha moment where it's like, wow, I've always known this, but now I really, truly get it. So for you, what was something that really became crystal clear for you? Well, I have a couple of different things. One is the perspective of actually going through the process of writing the book and that's in the you can never estimate how much work it's going to take <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it always takes a lot of work and although I don't have children um, I think of it as some women may say it's like when you have a baby and then a couple of years later, you go, oh, well, that wasn't too bad. You know, maybe we'll have another one. And to me, that's like what writing a book is. It's really a, a painful journey and tedious getting all of the materials and research together. And then when you finally have it done, it's a great product. And then a couple of years later, I'm like, well, maybe I will do another book. You know, <laughs> and then forgetting all of the stuff that goes with it. Yeah, I, I get that uh, with a lot of writers. Yeah, and then in terms of the, the subject matter, the gender communication, what surprises me is that a lot of women uh, do not fully understand the control they have over how they speak and how they present themselves and the communication styles that they use and how influential they are in terms of their own creating their own credibility and impact in the workplace. So, and I'm I state that about women, but men also don't have that complete understanding about what's going on in the transaction. However, most men in the workplace here, especially in the United States and many places in other countries, usually the workplace is a male-dominated workplace, and they come from more of a position of power. Mm. 
and really don't see themselves as having the need to understand what some of the other communication styles are and how they may be impacted by them. Well, I, I think that's changing rapidly now, too. You know, a lot of uh, my clients, especially the larger organizations, they're having fundamental shifts in the way that they're thinking on an economic level with, gosh, we've got to get way more women in, in, in middle and senior management because so many women have started organizations, started companies, and are rocking it, and now are, have very powerful budgets. They need to go to larger organi- you know, managing groups and say, hey, you know, we need you to streamline and then they have the initial meeting and there's seven guys turn up and no women. And then there's four women that represent that company and they go, okay, thanks for coming, see ya. So the there is a fundamental shift where, for, where organizations, global organizations are saying we have to have more women in a senior management position. So books like this are becoming critical uh, to people that are, I would say, starting out in their career. Not only, you know, people that are in their career and want to become better at communicating with, uh, you know, lots of different people in the organizations, whether they're a minority, whether they're a woman, whether they're a person's gay, whatever. It's a super diverse working environment. And that's not going to disappear. It's going to evolve more and more and more and globalize. So do you feel that uh, books like this are becoming uh, fundamental to moving forward uh, with your career and uh, creating opportunities for yourself? I would like to look at the book as fundamental and the topic of gender communication as fundamental and and likewise cultural communication and understanding workplace differences and how to build on those differences in the work environment. I think that's becoming more important, but I also see organizations that many large organizations that have the verbiage correct about how they need women and how they want women to be moving up their career ladders and that sort of thing but they're not quite there yet so when I go to different workplaces and I talk with both men and women the men seem to take for granted yes this is a great idea of course we need women here in the work environment or women minorities whoever's not the dominant group we need here to bring in new ideas, but talking with the women, the women still feel like they're not being listened to, their ideas are not valued in the same way as the men's ideas, etc. Mm. Well, so, yeah, they can, they, can, uh, they can talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk. Not yet. And some, and, and some organizations are I'm not saying all organizations or all women or all men, but some organizations are making efforts to change things around and bring in more diverse ideas into their thinking and into their business systems. Um, But I I just think there's still a, a ways to go. Let's talk a little bit about conflict because, you know, in the office space, there's always going to be conflict and, and, and conflict not as a couple people freaking out and shouting and yelling and, you know, that type of conflict, but just general day-to-day conflict where it's like, I would like to do A and somebody says, well, I'd like to do B and then they have to have a discussion to see which is going to, which way they're going to move forward. And that's all part of being a manager. That's all part of working in an organization. So... If you're dealing uh, in a situation where there's more and more uh, women on the side and you've almost got like a, a, an even uh, breakdown of, of the demographics, do you think that the way that those, you know, the, the guy approaches the girl to get a, a point across or the woman uh, goes and, and tries to pitch an idea to a guy, um, does that is that becoming a way more important uh, communication skill set than it used to be? This, the skill set of pitching ideas is a valuable skill set. So it's difficult to me, for me to say if it's more valuable or less valuable. It's definitely a skill set both men and women need to do. And for 
women pitching the idea. Yeah, I think it depends on the audience. If we're looking at a, a male audience for the woman, there's a lot involved besides the communication itself. There's background skill levels. You know, assume, let's let's assume that the woman and the is coming into the or, the organization to pitch the idea. Based on the fact that women communicate slightly different than men and, and absorb the communication differently, how does somebody present uh, ideas and, and uh, theories and, and uh, concepts uh, from a woman to a man and a man to a woman? I mean, there, there must be some sort of strategy behind how to be more effective that way. In terms of presenting strategies or ideas, there's a way to be more direct for the woman Usually the woman appears to be more indirect in how she responds to a question from a man. So let's say if a man is asking a particular business question, the recommendation is for the woman to respond in a short, direct response. So can I get the report done on Monday, if that's the question? Then she can respond in one word, yes. And I recommend that because the, because women are coming from a more relational, collaborative perspective, the tendency is for them to start explaining the whole process about the report. So she may have said, well, Monday or is it next Monday? And by the way, Bill is out sick this week and I'm not sure if we're going to get all the data in time, but I did email Mary and ask her to present it to us and I haven't heard back from Mary and go on explaining the, all the issues. Um, however, he's basically just interested in a yes or no response. And then if he wants more information, then I suggest she can respond with more information. But again, keeping it short, yes, I can get that information to you. Bill is out sick, but I've got the data and I can get that report to you on Monday. And if he still needs more information, like, well, I heard Bill was sick, but... I understand the data wasn't formatted correctly. Can you explain? And then she can go ahead and fill in all the details. Now, that's from her perspective what she can do. From his perspective, he can also, when asking questions, since he's in the more competitive task-oriented mode, expecting a direct response, he can say, will you have the report on Monday um, I just need a quick yes or no. You can fill me in later. So he could ask it that way. And then he could also ask or, or just say, this is a yes or no question. Will you have the report to me on Monday? And then she knows it's just a yes or no. And she can respond, yes, but I have some more detail I'll share with you later. So then they both walk away feeling like they got what they needed. Yeah. Well, I, I think also because people are so uh, so stretched for time, uh, long elongated answers tend to frustrate people more than um, short, concise ones. But then on the other side of things, if that person doesn't hit their target, you know, the, the other problem is they say, yeah, I'm going to do it by Wednesday. And then Wednesday comes around, they don't have it done. And then they come up with all the reasons why. Then you get frustrated as well. So it, it's it's a tough balance between the two. But I like that if you're conscious of the way people communicate, it actually fixes that problem. Because if you're, you know, if you're a guy and you're communicating to a lot of women, then you realize that, okay, expect a lot of detail. They're not making excuses. They're just letting you know that what they're about to do is a tough thing to do, but they're going to try to do it and hit that deadline. Whereas with uh, the other way around where a woman's talking with a guy, she can say, yeah, I can definitely do that. And I'll give you a nice follow-up email to let you know where some sticking points or some bottlenecks may be. And maybe you can help me with that. And then the guy says, okay, yeah then he can get involved on a more uh, tactical way, uh, lending a hand. Yes, that, that sounds good. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly it. And well, that's the issue and why the handbook is helpful so that people can understand these different styles before they get into the issue of providing information or being evaluated for promotion. And the manager, who may be a man, says, well, 
she's never very direct with her responses. She talks in circles and nobody can figure out what she's saying. And giving her that feedback at that time, rather than being aware of the different styles ahead of time and understanding the differences. And there's cultural differences there too. It's, my focus is the male-female, but there's similar cultural differences that apply in that same way. Well, it also makes me conscious of, you know, there's some people I work with that are guys, but they seem to be more in touch with their feminine side, and they're way more comfortable being communicated to on a more feminine style than on a masculine style. Um, do you notice that as well? Yes. And when I do my trainings, I mention that I may be saying men do this, women do that, but it really is a masculine style of communication that men or women can have and a feminine style of communication that men or women can have. And also, they may be using that style, selecting that style, depending on the situation. Some people will comment that women aren't aggressive enough at work. Uh, however, if you are outside of the workplace and you're at a PTA meeting, a parent-teacher meeting, and something's happening with their kids, they can very strongly get their point across to the teachers or whoever's listening about exactly what the issues are and uh, where changes need to be made and more. So it's depending on the situation. People will say men are too aggressive, they don't have feelings, but if you put them in a situation where, you know, an employee has just found out there's been a death in their family or something tragic has happened, 99% of the time, the male supervisor can comfort the individual just as well as the female supervisor. Well, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned the PTA meeting because um, it almost seems to me that, that there's different triggers for men and for women in the sense that based on going way back to the Neanderthal days, the caveman days and, and our id and our fundamental um, uh, core psychology and, and subliminal psychology, the things that are triggering us, um, do you find that when women are put into to, uh, a strife situation that is more uh, akin to a family problem, even though it's at work, they'll react differently than to a, uh, the way a guy would uh, deal with that situation? So I'm trying to think now of a family situation at work. Like a crisis, somebody has a breakdown, there's a lot of pressure and somebody's not being able to handle it, or um, disharmony in an office situation where, where the family's breaking up, that there's, there's people aren't happy with their work or whatever, that type of discord. It's kind of like a family discord. I think women may show their emotions more than a man in the work environment around some of the, some of the family issues, but I think Men are also being, there's also a lot of receptiveness to men showing their feelings up to a point. And I'm thinking of uh, an example where President George Bush had been seen with a tear drop just falling out of his eye. I'm not sure if it was... I'm not sure what the situation was, but mm. the comments were about how wonderful it was for him to be so compassionate and to be willing to show his feelings and that type of thing. But mm. when another a, a woman was running, and I'm, I'm thinking of Hillary Clinton at the time and several years ago, was running for a nomination for president, her eyes teared up over a question and the response was you know she's obviously not leadership material and she's too emotional because she's showing her emotions like that so it, it's it's a hard situation for me to just say yes or no to that type of a situation because there are still stereotypes out there about what's appropriate behavior so for example when the woman at the office says, I have to go, I'm leaving work early today because I'm going to a soccer game, some of the responses may be, 
well, you know, that's typical woman, you know, she's going to run out on us when we have the job to get done and that type of thing. And when the man says, I'm going to leave early today for this, my son's soccer game, a response is more congratulating him about taking his family into consideration and being more thoughtful. So it's kind of like exaggerations on each end of the spectrum, but those feelings are still out there. And it, it's going to take more than my handbook here to change all of that. I wish it would just take the handbook. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes out there about how men and women are supposed to act on some of these topics. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we're, it, it's a very interesting time we live in right now because... You know, we've got a generation of kids that are being brought up um, where there can be a, a father at home the whole time because he has a, a business at home or the wife is the breadwinner and, and she's making so much money in her corporate gig that he doesn't really have to work and he can paint or, or do his wood carving business, which does make enough money to support the family, but is like an add-on, which is a reverse of uh, the role that uh, female figures have for many, many, many years in the past. So uh, then you've got kids growing up in that environment. So, you know, you have a daughter and saying, oh, okay, great. The dad can be at home and we can have a harmonic family and, and there's nothing wrong with mom my mother going out there and, and be the breadwinner. And so they grow up in that environment. And when they come out and come into the workplace, they'll have a radically different headspace than what's been happening, you know, over the last couple of generations. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, I also teach as an adjunct instructor at one of the local universities here. And some of my students will come in, we'll get on the topic of um, sexual harassment and some of the women students will just say that's not an issue they don't see it happening and I usually have a couple of older students women students who'll say well this is what happened to me or this is what happened to my sister and even some of the male students will say well this is what happened to my significant other or to, to my wife and then we get into an interesting discussion about it, but sometimes they don't see some of these issues that I grew up with or that I notice in the newspaper more often than I'd want to. They don't see it as, a, as really a big issue. Mm. But I'm hoping that the generation, there will be some type of a generational change, as you mentioned, too. Yeah, well, I think because the concept of sexual harassment as a word um, hasn't really been around that long. You, you know, you go back 30, 40 years, something like sexual harassment um, didn't exist. They go like, what? What are you talking about? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it that's kind of showing a, a shift in the way people are aware of if you're aware that it's it's a thing that you should be aware of, then it should be not an issue, just like prejudice is, shouldn't be an issue. And yes, in some organizations, they're a little backwards and they are still prejudiced and they still have sexual harassment and it's a male-dominated management group. But as you know, we move forward and, and companies move more into uh, a non-gender biased uh, work environment and if those organizations thrive which they will uh, and will dominate the market and the companies that are still stuck in the old stigmas if they fail then it'll just you know clean out the whole system it's going to take a lot longer if you do it that way and, and if companies all decided hey you know what Let's get it together. Let's compete evenly. Everybody in this company is part of the team. And it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl or you're gay or you're junior or you're senior. Let's all work together as a team. Companies that operate on that level, and there are companies that are on that level where you have harmony from the CEO all the way down to the truck driver, those companies are devastatingly powerful uh, in the, in the competitive market because they can just do things better and quicker because everybody is conscious and everybody is really responsible for their, their, um, their tasks, but also 
when they go into the office, they do little tiny things that make a big difference. And I think the older organizations aren't thinking that way and they can't compete. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The uh, Some of these studies that are being done are looking at the number of women on boards and finding that once you get three or four women on a board of 10 or 12, it starts influencing and shifting some of the decisions for the better. They're making more uh, productive and effective decisions for the organization as a whole. So, so that's good to see. Well, do you think um, there's enough literature out there? I mean, you've got your book. There's you know, several other books that are gender uh, relevant. Um, but fundamentally, shouldn't this stuff be taught in the schools like at a very, very young age? Not like, oh, you're going to business school, so now you're going to learn about it. No, that, that should be back in like when you're in kindergarten. They should be teaching these as fundamental beliefs. Hey, I'm all for it. So if you, you want to start a movement somewhere, <laughs> just let me know. So I think it's the same with understanding different cultures or mm. how to be culturally competent and be able to work with people who are viewed as different, different than yourself or different than what, however you def- define different from you. But mm-hmm. we tend to kind of those interpersonal re- reactions and maybe it's a growth activity as a, a kid. You just, they don't teach that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, well, here in Canada, it's 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 pretty uh, progressive, and uh, I noticed when my kids were going to kindergarten, I mean, I asked the teacher, why are my kids not studying ABCs, and they're spending a year and a half just hanging out and doing these things that are less academic, and they said, well, because the most important thing that they can learn is how to communicate uh, between each other as human beings, and I said, oh, okay, and then when they go into the academic phase, they'll work together better as a team and progress in school that way. So I thought that was a That's great. Yeah. really nice fundamental thing to lay down. Um, and it's really changed the way I looked at, at, at the educational system. When I was in Asia, and that's where my kids were born, and they spent the first five years of their life, it's all academic. It's like you go into kindergarten at uh, two years old, and you're doing ABCs, and you're doing performances, and it's not about how you harmonize as a group. It's like how well you can do in your scores. And it's all uh, learning by route and, and that a rote. And, and it's, a, it's a fundamentally different way of looking at it. So, yeah, it, it, you're right. If North America and Europe can get it together and be more gender, um, less gender bias and, and, and can communicate better, then that will influence the rest of the world. I totally agree. I think that's remarkable. I applaud the Canada school system for taking that approach. And I'm sure there's some school, school systems here in the States that are uh, taking different approaches, but I haven't seen it as a, a total system mm-hmm. change in terms of uh, how they educate students. So, Yeah, it's, it is fascinating. And, and you know, it's, it's a long-term approach, but in the long run, it makes uh, working in organizations, business-driven organizations, a lot easier if the people that are coming on board at the low level uh, kind of get the fundamentals, and then you can just lead them, and this is how all your learnings apply on a business level, and, and, and grow it that way instead of from the top down. And that's, I think, a lot of, thing, a lot of the problem with trying to... Uh, re-educate office environments is like it's forced upon people and it's it's it doesn't harmonize yeah they don't like being told that they have to learn this today it's it's viewed as a punishment kind of a thing yeah why do i have to talk this way i've worked fine not realizing that all the women in your organization hate your guts yeah that is correct (laughs) all the women are at at the low level paying jobs and the men are at the upper level and sometimes they don't really pay attention to some of the stuff that's going on yeah well it's, a boys club. well, it's a boys club and girls club approach. or, or And, and I, I, that's even a, a, a stupid thing to say. It's more cliques because you can have women that are more male style and hang out with guys and have a guy male type of attitude towards life, which is a little, you know, just the way it is. And then you have women cliques that, 
you may have a bunch of women and a couple of guys that are more on the feminine side and guys that are in touch with their feminine side and they kind of hang out and they kind of bond together and yeah and then what you're ending up with is a bunch of people preaching to the choir it's like yeah we should do this and everybody's going yeah let's and then you've got the other group saying something completely different saying yeah let's it's your books about how do you get those two totally different groups that talk and think and communicate in a different way to actually talk and communicate that's the hard part exactly so the book looks at the different communication situations that affect us every day in the workplace and then provides things both the women can do and the men can do to improve those communication issues. It, it, well, I was going to give an example if we have time. Still. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, looking at emails and how we send emails to each other. What's interesting to me is that they reflect how men and women talk. Men have a tendency to send a very direct do this type of email and the women will do the same thing as if they're talking to you and, and give you more explanation and more process to the answer. Women also tend to use more of a, uh, I guess I, I'd call it a salutation. So they'll say, hi, so-and-so, or hi, Bob, how are you? And then they'll go into their message. The men tend to be use that direction and just you know, do this. Great questions done (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i think texting is a big thing for guys because then excuse not to say hi at the very beginning of your text because and i i catch myself when i text i i don't text my texts i speak into my phone and my phone types for me um and i always start to say hey dave and then have to go back and delete that because of course dave knows he's dave it's coming on his phone so it's a different way of communicating and and it's a great tool uh but yeah you're right there are occasions where uh texting doesn't work there's occasions where email will work to a point but then after a while you end up writing these very very long instructional pieces that are just wasting your time and then wasting the other person's time trying to uh figure out what you're actually trying to teach them and just pick up the phone and say hey do this and this and this and then they give you some feedback say "Uh oh i meant that and then you get the communication over and done with, and then you can move on with your day. I mean, great communication isn't about being nice to guys and nice to girls. It's about getting the job done as efficiently as possible. Right. That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. But part of that is if you're pissing people off when you communicate, you're not doing a good job of communicating. Well, And that's where the understanding between both the men and the women come in to, to realize if you're sending me an email and you don't say, dear Claire, how are you? Hope you're having a great day. Can you get that report for Monday? (laughs) You know, or I need the report on Monday. You know, I'll be okay if you just say, get me the report for Monday. And then assuming if I have any issues with that, I'll get back to you. Mm. Yeah, I I definitely notice different styles in email. I mean, the problem with email, people read it in the emotional state that they're in at that time. So if they're having a really bad day, every email that they read is angry. And that, you know, makes them even more angry. So I am very, very careful about jokes. I'm very, very careful about puns or or being overly clever. uh, Because I think a lot of people, when when they type an email, they're talking in their head. And that doesn't translate. Um and especially that you can get in big trouble on a, almost on a, a sexual harassment level because what you're saying, it would be funny in a different context than email. Yes, and you also have to remember that email is going to be around for a long time. Oh, yeah. So if the recipient didn't think it was that same humor that you had intended, that's going to lead to another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, a lot of times um reacting instantly uh, with an email do do and this is a question I have is do do women if if I send a terse email to somebody saying something because I'm frustrated with them, do women tend to respond right away or not respond right away emotionally and say, "Okay, what are they trying to say?" and "Oh, okay, I get it." and and try and respond on a, on a higher level than a guy. And, and compared to a guy reading it and then just pushing back right away and getting angrier and, and escalate the problem a little bit. I don't think there's a 
a response in that all women do this or all men do that. But I would recommend that you take a few minutes to think about what the person said before you, whether you're a man or a woman, before you automatically try to respond to that. And I have seen women take the email. If you sent me an angry email about a particular topic or about me, I would probably send it to six of my friends or more <laughs> and get feedback from them mm. or talk about what a bad guy you were and then ask them for their ideas on how to respond and then try to put something together and then respond to you. Yeah, it's almost like, is this guy being a jerk? What do you think? Um, whereas a guy, he would do that internally. Yeah, and that's that relational piece that that women have. I'm checking in with other people too to make sure, is this email as bad as I think it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then that helps kind of me process because I'm women are more process oriented. I'm processing it. And then I can add in their confirmation that yes, it's, it's really bad and this is what you need to do. And then I can react in hopefully the most professional way, either through email or by searching you out and talking with you about it. You know, that's fascinating, you know, being, being a, a guy, um, knowing that, uh, s- some women would do something like that. Um, I would say, why is she sharing that with all those people? It's a private conversation we're having. That would be a, a, like a gut guy reaction. It's like, why didn't she just get back to me? Why does she spreading it around the office? That's almost, they would have a knee-jerk negative reaction to that as well. I mean, of course, if I'm being a jerk, I deserve it, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and even the, the words that you're using as the example, spreading it around the office, in her mind, she's sharing it with a few friends to get feedback. Mm-hmm. So it's not like when you said spreading it around the office, it sounded like a negative thing to, to let other people know that, you know, this is going on is, it's just between her and me, you know, nobody else should know. Yeah, well, I, and that's the thing, it's, it's what goes back to the, the fundamentals is the guys internalize it, and so they can do it all within themselves, and they don't have to share it with anybody to get to their, uh, to their response mode, uh, whereas I think a woman feels uh, that that's the process for them, and that's how they deal with it. I mean, that it's not that they're sharing it with people to say, this guy's a jerk, ha, ha, ha. It's like, I need feedback because this is the way my brain's wired, and this is how I can get to the next level so I can resolve this, or I can, I can respond in a way where I'm communicating in the right way. Yeah, and it's an example of the relational perspective. So by getting a few other heads together and looking at it, then she'll respond she'll respond mm. in, a, in a way that's hopefully most effective. And, and you know, that really brings us right back to chapter four, which is women, men, and the unspoken message, which is when guys say something, it means something different. And, and there was that great book, Men, and, men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, um, about how they're actually from different planets. And not that they're that far apart, it's just that, when a guy says something, it, it, it has a certain, you have to t- take it a certain way. And when a woman says something, it has to be taken in a certain way. And, and I think that's a very big part of an office being uh, better, everybody in an office communicating better. When they're having a discussion with a woman, to have that as part of their conscious awareness, as being in the moment. Yeah, exactly. It, different things can be interpreted interpreted in different ways. And... One of the, I usually do a true-false type of thing with my classes, and one of them is when a woman nods, that means she agrees with the man. When a woman is nodding her head to a man, that means she agrees with him. Mm. And usually the class will say, true. And then I point out, well, it's actually false because when... A woman is nodding her head. She's basically saying, I hear you, and not necessarily, I agree with everything you say. Mm. But the men interpret it as, of course she agrees with me. Mm. So it's just 
things to be aware of. <laughs> so, so what do men do when you're having a conversation? Like if a woman's having a conversation with a man, explaining something or whatever, reporting, what do guys do? do, do they do go, uh-huh, or do they nod their head, or they don't do anything. There's no feedback. There's no feedback. <laughs> it's just a, most men have like a mask that they wear, mm. and they hear your words, but they don't, they tend not to give the same kind of verbal and nonverbal feedback that women do. Mm. So women will be the ones that'll be nodding their head and going, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. And to indicate that they are hearing what you're saying and giving you some feedback. But I can give a presentation to an all-male audience and I won't hear a word. Mm. <laughs> they'll, they'll just be you know, keep that blank face and keep looking at me throughout. But afterwards, they'll come up and say, gosh, that was the greatest talk I've heard in a long time. And that mm. was really interesting. You know? mm. But they don't tend to show their emotions in the same way. What about more one-on-one situations or one-on-three, you know, small meetings where you're talking with, with a group? Um, do you tend to get more feedback that way or should you kind of introduce it as like, hey, this is, like a, this is the way I like to run my meetings. Um, I like to get feedback as I'm explaining because it helps me uh, get to the points that you need to know. If, by explaining how you want people to communicate with you, uh, especially if they're male, um, does, is that a viable strategy? In small group meetings, it can vary differently. I think what you're suggesting would certainly work, Mm. both either for a man or a woman, explaining what the expectation is. And going into in offices in many small meetings, some offices have guidelines up on the wall about what they expect and how people should react during the team meeting or whatever the meeting is. Uh, But there's also... Other things that are interacting in terms of the small meeting, there's power status issues. Mm. People with greater power tend not to be interrupted by those of lesser power. So if you're in the meeting with more people at a higher level than you, you kind of know it's not appropriate to interrupt them. Um, however, with with men and women in a, in a work group, if we're just looking at the gender uh, in addition to the verbal and nonverbal expectation, there's also men interrupting more often than women interrupt. I think one study mentioned that men interrupt 96% of the time in those small group settings. They make 96% of the interruptions, and women are the ones that receive those interruptions. Mm. So the important thing for both men and women to know is that how do you manage those interruptions when they happen? And, and okay, and then those interruptions are they um, are they constructive interruptions or more a guy joking around interruption? Because that that's a big thing in meetings is there's always somebody that's the joker. That is correct. <laughs> it's usually the men will provide more interruptions that change the direction of the meeting, and they change it towards them taking over the topic mm. and women tend to provide more constructive types of feedback like hey that's a good idea or hey tell me more you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. and so it's important uh, understanding that basis of what's going on with the interruptions and it's important for women to know that men are usually interrupting to take over the conversation or to derail it into a a different direction. And then she needs to be able to pull the information, pull the group back to her to, so that she can continue with her idea. So, okay. So let that, I think that's fascinating. Why do guys do that? Because they get what she said and they want to move on because they're bored or is it a type personalities and it's not really, uh, a male thing. I mean, why would somebody try to control the or take over a meeting? I think it's the competitive nature mm. of the topic, and especially if the boss is there, there's probably some one-upmanship going on with <sighs> whose ideas are best and hear me, you know, 
the person who's talking has the power basically yeah, yeah so it's it's more about in my opinion that the competition that's going on within the group and if there's a great idea out there they want to uh piggyback on it and pull pull the conversation to them and what they can do and if the idea doesn't sound that great they just want to jump in and grab the attention and pull it back to their idea or change the focus of the meeting mm. Yeah, it, uh, running a great meeting, that's another art and another book. <laughs> that is correct. Because it, it is, like, you're, you're laughing, but it is basically good facilitation skills. Yeah. So if you're the person running the meeting, you know when somebody gets interrupted, you have to stop and let's go back and hear what so-and-so has to say, and then we'll come back and hear what you, you have to say, that type of thing. So it is, it is good facilitation, but a lot of it happens with men and women and women getting interrupted. And then if you're not heard, if the woman doesn't have the opportunity to express her views, then the management in the meeting may see her as, you know, she doesn't have what it takes or she's not aggressive enough. And it all starts piling up. Well, yeah, then you get disgruntled. You know, people go to a meeting, so why did I even go to that meeting? What a waste of time. Nobody got... I never got a chance to get my issues across because, you know, it was unfair. And, you know, that is really what this book is about is, you know, this is happening every day in every organization. So anybody that listens to the show is aware of the uh, of the problem. And you, you read a book like this, even by jumping from, from uh, section to section and just skimming over certain parts, it still makes you conscious of, wow, the next time I do a meeting, I am going to totally run the meeting differently because when a woman says one thing, it's different than what I perceived it. And when a guy says something, it's different than the way I perceived it. So it's a very, very powerful tool uh, as, a, as, as a device. I mean, really, your, your preface here at the very, very top is essential resources for training in HR professionals. But I think it's an, an essential resource for managers that want to get the most out of their teams. I totally agree. So the, the best way is to be familiar with both of the styles and then as an individual to be able to choose which style works best for you to get your point across at the meeting or based on who your audience is and, and then overwhelmingly be more productive and more effective in the workplace too. We've been talking about the Gender Communication Handbook and we've had Claire Damkin-Brown on the show today. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that show. And do me a favor and tweet about it. Follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate it. See you next week.